Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Let's have a Soul Talk. We are so glad to have you, our listening audience, joining us in this podcast. It's a blessing for us to do life with you. We so appreciate you being in our community. We're going to continue our conversation on codependency and what's the difference between codependency and empathy and dig deeper into that. And just want to ask if you have been blessed by the ministry of soul shepherding or you want to bless somebody else with the ministry of soul shepherding, would you consider donating to support this ministry? We are a nonprofit ministry and 60% of the funds for all of the ministries that we do, this podcast, the spiritual direction ministry, the uh, Soul Shepherding Institute retreats, the spiritual direction training program, the retreats where we go out to churches, uh, we're bringing soul shepherding to Mexico, we bring soul shepherding to Africa, all this ministry is enabled by donations. That's 60% of the, the money that supports the operation that includes 40 staff now. So we really appreciate your generosity towards Soul Shepherding. And we love having you journey with Jesus with us and join these Soul Talk conversations and share them with a friend and have your own Soul Talks as well or within your marriage. Uh, we pray that that would be a great blessing to you. As we're talking about marriage, Bill, I'm thinking back to early in our marriage, how I matched your mood constantly. And that was that was really hard for you because it actually interrupted our intimacy because you would feel hesitant to be authentic and honest and share with me what you were really feeling because you didn't want to bring me down. Yeah, it surprised you when I explained this to you, but I actually felt like I, I couldn't manage my own mood very well. <laughs> but then I... F- if I was discouraged or worried, but then when I felt you sinking down, then I would feel guilty and it would sort of add to the discouragement that I was already feeling. And so then I was having enough trouble being responsible for my own emotions, but then it was tempting me to feel responsible for your emotions. Right. And so um, I was trying to help you see that actually, uh, while of course I always appreciate you know, how are you feeling? Or Bill, you seem discouraged and, and you're really good at that. You always have been good at that. But g- giving empathy definitely is oxygen for my soul, as we say in soul shepherding. But the other thing that's helpful is just when you are able to have your own separate rootedness, like we talked about last week in the, the Psalm 1 tree, and your own separate source of well-being and, and comfort and strength and joy then it's, it's, it's not pressuring me to, to, to like be responsible to lift up your spirits. And, but then maybe even if you're in a joyful place, then maybe that could rub off on me rather than my discouragement rubbing off on you. Well, that is one of the gifts of empathy. When you can, when you can do this and be empathetic and not codependent, you can really contain somebody else's emotions, understand them, reflect them back to them, even feel with them. But but then you leave it. You don't continue to carry it and match it and be drawn into it and controlled by it. And, and it becomes your own feeling. That's a distinguishing point. When somebody else's feelings become your own, that's when you've probably gotten into that enmeshment and that codependency. And then you're no longer going to be able to be helpful. One of the things that's helpful about empathy is when somebody does that for you that can actually stay objective on some level. 
and not get enmeshed and lose the objectivity. That's one of the things that's been so helpful to me as a spiritual director and I see helpful to people that I direct is that I have this objectivity. I have, I can see the whole picture. I, I also am attached to God and receiving his living water and well-rooted in him and drawing up nourishing from the Lord while I'm empathizing with this person. And so I can give them some of that. I can minister to them even as I'm empathizing with them, even as I'm maybe down wallowing in the mud that they're stuck in. I can still hold on to the hope while I'm empathizing with them. When I become codependent, I lose that. And I began to just get stuck in the mud with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's we talked last time, last week's podcast about moving in and out, and moving in is the the subjectivity, the the empathy, the burden bearing. But then stepping back or moving out, that's the objectivity, that's the perspective, that's the uh, taking care of your own emotions and your own needs, and so what we're training our spiritual directors in soul shepherding in our certificate program is to, is to move in and to move out to, to be really good at empathy, but also to be able to step back and have perspective and, and have a certain prayerfulness, mm-hmm. not only intercessory prayer for their clients, certainly that we, we listen with prayerfulness with, uh, uh, asking the Lord to, to help us help the person, asking the Lord to, to minister his grace, his, his wisdom to the person. But we also need to be sort of prayerful, like you're illustrating, about, about our, own, our own personal needs. And so to, to be that Psalm 1 tree with, with the roots going down to the, the, the hidden wellspring of water down there. And so there's a back and forth that's going on. And this is a skill that that we develop, and part of how we develop that with our spiritual directors is through supervision. They, they have a, a mentor, a supervisor that's learned this, and, and we, we walk it through with the specific examples of people that they're helping, because uh, that's how we learn. We learn by doing, mm-hmm. and then after, after we've, we've tried, then we, we, we reflect on that, and we, have, we talk to somebody about it, and we, and we get, get feedback and, and support. And then in the context of our relationship, part of how we've learned this, what we're illustrating really in this conversation, Christy, is meta communication, mm-hmm. and so that's what we had to do in our marriage. We had to do the meta communication, which is to communicate about the communication, yes. which is similar to what you do. And in, in my other example of if you're a spiritual director in training and you're you're talking to your supervisor, you're doing a lot of meta communication there. That you're you're talking about the the patterns of communication, the patterns of relationship, what went well, what didn't go well. In other words, you're, you're stepping back, mm-hmm. and that that's that's what's missing with with enmeshment or codependency or fixing is that you're, you're not stepping back enough to, to think about what's going on, to pray about what's going on, and then to, to try a different angle in, a different, different way of relating. Yes, or, or if we get codependent and we want to fix the person, so we, we struggled and had to work through this early in our marriage too, where I would be having problems, emotions I would be starting to talk to you about, and you would go real quick to the fixing because you were the oldest child in your family. You were the hero child. You saw a solution. You were ob- objective. You were my husband. You wanted to love me. You wanted to protect me. So you would want to move real quick to the fixing. But then I felt like that was like fragilizing me and treating, disrespecting me because I didn't want you to fix. I didn't want you to take over. I just wanted you to understand what I was dealing with. And that was a, that was kind of an aha for you to learn that and when you learned that it was it was empowering for me because it helped you helped lighten my load but you didn't take the load 
And I didn't want you to take it. I wanted you to lighten it. I didn't need, need you to take it. I needed strength, courage to know you were there with me and for me, to know you understood what I was really dealing with. And it, it makes a big difference, but it's often easier for us to just step in and fix than it is for us to just listen. It feels, it feels maybe passive. It doesn't feel as helpful or as heroic. If you're like me, a, a thinker and a, a teacher, I think we're especially prone to sort of like give our insights to fix people's problems. And Jesus actually talks about that in Matthew 7. He, he calls that pearl pushing. And he says, you know, don't, don't push your pearls on pigs. Uh, the idea is not, oh, some people are just like pigs, so why waste your pearls on them? That's a horrible interpretation of that scripture. The idea is that uh, pigs can't digest pearls. <laughs> so don't just like put Bible verses on people or, or great insights as a way of fixing their problems. It's not likely to be helpful People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So we're talking about the caring. That's what empathy is, that moving closer with a a soft heart to understand and uh, have compassion. And that that proves to be a lot more helpful to people and to give them energy if we hold back on on the advice giving. But that is a primary pattern for these ways of fixing, uh, falling into a codependent pattern or relationship. The other thing is we want to, as we're empathizing with someone, we, we want them to feel an attachment. That's, that's important to feel like somebody's with you. Somebody cares. You're not alone. But we don't want that attachment to get in the way of their attachment to God. And with codependency, the attachment gets an over-attachment. It gets a dependency attachment on the other person instead of an attachment that fosters their connection and attachment greater attachment to God. Yeah, so just today I was talking with my spiritual coach and um, he was very wonderful in listening to me with empathy and asking great questions. And uh, even before we met, he read some things that I wrote uh, from my journal and uh, some other things related to soul shepherding. And he was um, very interested and uh, thinking about my situations and, and my life. And there's just a lot of empathy in that, a, a lot of uh, care. And so that really helped me to understand myself, understand my ministry, my leadership, my relationships, my needs, my struggles, my stress points. And uh, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't fixing me. He, he gave me some ways of thinking about some things, but it's up to me. Like he gave me homework, things to, to check out and, and read and follow up on and questions to answer and then come back to him. And so it, in that sense, it was empowering. It was the opposite of like a, a codependency or a fixing because he, he wasn't taking responsibility for me. He was, just hel- he was helping me carry my load. That's one of the things people often will ask me, how do you do this, Christy? How, how do you listen to people and not get all bogged mm-hmm. down and all entangled and codependent and weighed down and go mentally crazy? And I often will say, well, it's been a learning. It's been a process for me. And part of that process is the reflecting on when I would find myself a meshing and codependent and reflect on that, become aware of that, wake up to that, get help with that, talk to somebody about the, my own process and where I where I was crossing the boundaries internally and, and learning from that, from the reflection. 
another part of it came from waking up to realizing when I do that, I'm not helping them or God anymore because I'm getting messianic in my own internal thinking and overly prideful to think that this is all up to me. And then the other thing is I realized is it actually kept me from praying for them. And the most helpful thing that I could do for them when they walked out of my office was to pray for them that that they would walk this out with Jesus, that they would stay attached to him, not to me, that they would hear from Holy Spirit. And when I was all obsessing about their problems or carrying their problems and it was draining my energy, I didn't have the energy to pray for them. Yeah, because what happens to all of us is we we go through life and we have conflicts and stress points in our relationships and our work and everything. And we unconsciously react to that out of our personality. This is what our new book is going to be about, uh, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. So stay, stay tuned for that. Be out in September. All of us, even even people who are very self-aware, uh, I, th- I think I'm pretty self-aware. I've experienced a lot of therapy and spiritual direction. And I've really grown and learned and processed my life a lot. But I have uh, pockets of unawareness, pockets of where I'm reacting to uh, stress or to dynamics in a, in a situation uh, unconsciously. And so that's why it's so important to, to have a time that you, you meet with a spiritual director or, or a soul friend that you talk with about your life because that's an opportunity for, for metacommunication. It's an opportunity to reflect on your life and the patterns in your life, in your relationships, in your work, and then to, to rethink how you're approaching those things and to, and to pray about that, to, to, to approach it in a different way. Yeah, I'm looking for this comment here that we got from someone that I, I want to address because I think it's so important. They said, so what's it called when someone hears news about a friend that has cancer or an illness and the person can't function? Like they have to stay home and cancel plans because of the news. How does what we're talking about affect a a concrete example like that? And one of the things I want to say is we're not saying that you don't grieve or have some of your own emotions. I mean, when when you love people and you're empathizing with them and you're feeling with them, we're not saying that you're codependent if if you walk away and you have any emotions yourself. As an emotionally healthy person, you're going to have some. Yeah, to feel when, somebody's sadness, yeah. to feel their stress, to feel their, their their frustration, their discouragement, that's a sign of love. That's not codependency. That's right. And to even process your own grief about the news mm-hmm. that, oh, this this impacts you, that your friend has cancer or a major illness and, and can't do things. There's a lot of loss for you in that. And, and so you need care there for that so that you can care for your friend. And so that's part of what we're talking about is owning that, that you wouldn't lose your own emotions and grief in your friend's grief. You would mm-hmm. be present to your friend and their grief about this and their needs and empathize with them, but you would also be able to have boundaries to be able to feel your own feelings about their cancer and the loss for you and how this affects you and how it, it even maybe provokes for you some fear or anticipatory grief. So. It's a nuanced thing. We're not saying don't have any feelings other than when you're empathizing for somebody else. Yeah, the problem is is the exact opposite. In any compulsive behavior pattern, including codependency, any addiction, there is denied emotion 
underneath that. That's the psychological principle, and it's always the case. And so that's part of what is sustaining that stuck pattern with rescuing or fixing is that I've, I've got some of my own unmet needs or unresolved disappointments or stresses in my life that I'm not sufficiently looking at. I might have identified it intellectually, but to feel it and work it through. And that's why it's so important that you have that appointment with your spiritual director, your coach, and you talk this through and you're receiving the, the empathy. You're, you're getting great questions so that you're unpacking things in your life because now what was unconscious, it was in the dark, now it becomes conscious. And so now you can make choices about it. Now you can pray about it. Now you can do something different. But when it's unconscious, then we're just reacting out of unhealth in our personality. And that, that perpetuates these patterns of codependency. And it leads to burnout. So I, I'm thinking, Bill, about my own life right now. And I'm thinking about my mom's cancer. I'm thinking about another very close family member who's in a real crisis situation. I'm thinking about our four family members that are mentally ill. I'm thinking about my daughter who has three kids under the age of four and has, has, is not getting enough sleep and it has been suffering from some crisis with their health and overloads. And in any of those situations, I can get over a mess and codependent and feel like, feel temptation. Like I want to go in and rescue. I want to offer to do this. I want to, and I have those feelings come up. I think, Oh, it'd be loving for me to do this. Maybe I should do this. And I've learned instead of just to act on that, I've learned to stop and notice it and say, um, is this mine to do? Is this what God is asking me to do? What will this cost me? Do I have it to give? What will it cost others who then won't be able to receive from me because I'm giving here? I've learned to kind of stop and count the cost and, and, and look it all through. And oftentimes I'll need, I'll need like, I'll come to you with it. And I'll say, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking I'd like to do this. And it seems like it'd be loving and good to do this, but I'm also aware it would cost you and it would cost us and it would cost our ministry. And it would, and I talk it all through with you because I'm an external processor. And also because you're more objective on it because you're not already entangled in all the emotions that I, that are pulling on my heartstrings. And, and oftentimes it's very helpful. It helps me to see more clearly and to make a, a more loving decision. That's why we need somebody outside of ourself who is observing our life, listening, caring, uh, helping us get a different perspective, praying for us, because uh, it's in that meta-communication process that we can, we're taking a step back and uh, we can we can now make a different decision and we can begin to change. And it's these kinds of intentional conversations that are emotionally honest that have been so life-changing for us, Christy. Mm-hmm. And we've been honored for so many years now to provide these relationships for other people. It used to be primarily in our therapy office, but now it's happening in uh, retreats and small groups and all things soul shepherding, even on our Instagram is, is you've been sharing some questions from our soul shepherding Instagram. And so, uh, it's these emotionally honest conversations that are so important. And this is why we have a staff of senior spiritual directors and, and senior coaches. And so if you need somebody to talk to right now, you can go to soulshepherding.org and you can have someone listen to you with empathy, with prayerfulness, with gentle wisdom, uh, uh, with confidentiality, who will t- hold your hand and guide you through whatever you're going on in your life. 
So spiritual directors don't treat mental health disorders. They don't uh, treat addictions, but they listen prayerfully to, to guide you, care for you, where you're at in your walk with Jesus and whatever you're wrestling with or, or hurting over. And so, I mean, we just feel like everybody needs this kind of a relationship in their life. And Christy, you have a spiritual director that you talk to. I have a coach I talk to. We, we do that for each other. We have other friends that we do that with. And it's just uh, the, the more that, w- that we are people that are, are, are leading, serving, involved in our church, helping other people, uh, pastors and missionaries especially, all, but all of us who are actively serving and caring, it's really important that we say, okay, wait a minute, when's it my turn? Yeah, I remember, Bill, uh, for example, I was meeting with Jane Willard as my spiritual director 15 years ago, and I was wrestling through one of these kinds of situations where I was feeling myself wanting to help. And I remember her looking at me and saying, well, you need to remember that if you do that, you will train them to expect that from you. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't realized that. I had kind of thought, well, I have this to give once, but it wouldn't be sustainable if if I trained them to believe that they could always look to me for that. And she was confronting a codependent tendency in me, in that mindset. And that's another example where she could see it, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I could have seen it for somebody else if I was in her chair. But that's where we need somebody else who can see it and who can can speak words like that at just the right time that kind of give us that aha or reorient us or show us where we've gotten overly enmeshed or entangled. Mm, Yes, Lord. We just pray for each one listening that you would provide these kinds of emotionally honest, uh, safe, and helpfully guiding conversations, Lord. And if there's anyone here that needs to talk with a soul shepherding spiritual director or coach, pray that you'd provide for them to do that. Help us, Lord, in our relationships, Lord, to develop meaningful soul friendships with people. Bless Many of us are in small groups. We pray that you'd bless those small groups to be really helpful and flourishing to further our discipleship to Jesus and to help us have the, the, the strength and the joy and the peace in, in our relationships where we're loving others, teaching others, that we would uh, do that with you, Jesus, and uh, be really, truly loving to other people. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 